Um, in South Carolina, the state where I'm from, they had at the time a book festival and me and my mother attended. They had an open mic. I was 14 years old at the time and I brought um, poems that I had written and my mother encouraged me to go up there and read one of my poems. Well, I didn't go up there and read. I was the only one that didn't read off of a paper. I performed my first poem at 14 years old. And my mother confirmed to me, you have a gift. Welcome to Adulting on a Spectrum. In this podcast, we want to highlight the real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but people like us talking about their day-to-day life. Basically, we want to give a voice to a variety of autistic people. I'm Aileen Lam, an autistic author and photographer, and I co-host this podcast with Andrew Camero. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Eileen. I'm an autistic entrepreneur, software engineer co-host of this podcast, and I can play the mandolin better than Eileen. Today, our guest is Tracy Neal. Tracy is a neurodivergent spoken word artist on poets and writers residing in Columbia, South Carolina. Tracy received a professional adult autism diagnosis and ADHD very recently, October 2023. She has won numerous awards and acclaim relating to her poetry and uses her poetry platform to help bring awareness to nonprofits in need worldwide. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I don't know if you've listened to our podcast before, but we'd like to start off by asking each guest how they prefer to identify. And we don't mean traditional pronouns, although you're welcome to share those as well. We mean person with autism, autistic, on the spectrum, Asperger's. Uh, no preference is an option. Actually, anything's an option, really. Um, do you have a preference? And if so, what is it? I don't have a preference. One more for the spreadsheet. <laughs> That's the answer we we get uh, the most. So, Tracy, I, I know your diagnosis is very recent uh, as of last month. Can you tell us about the process of getting diagnosed as an adult? Like, what did you feel afterwards? All of that. Yes. Well, the process started actually when me and my mother had a conversation. I don't even remember what it was about, but she mentioned, you know, you might be autistic. And she said that in the past sometimes in conversation, but for some reason, I felt more compelled to do my research to learn more about autism. And so by doing my research, I said, okay, I see a lot of similarities of myself in that, but I want a professional diagnosis. So that's what kind of led me to that. After I got officially diagnosed, it was a sense of relief. (laughs) And and I tell people, I knew about the autism, but not the ADHD. The ADHD is like hyperactive, so... (laughs) And what was the process like going through the actual like diagnosis? Like, did you have to do like interview with a therapist? Did you fill out questionnaires? Did they talk to your family? Like for people who might be wondering what the process is like as an adult, how many hours did it take? Yes. Um, the, I think the last one I did, it took about four hours. I did one prior to it that took about an hour and it was like over 300 questions. 
my husband and my mother had to fill out a form form assessment related to, I guess, how I do things to kind of get a better understanding of me. So I, the assessment where I did online, that was like an hour. It, it wasn't that bad for me, but the actual, um, four hours where I was in person with the psychologist, that was a little trying for me because I am, I am simple minded. (laughs) So some of the um, testing was like kind of complex for me. So I had to, you know, use my coping strategies to deal with, you know, frustrations and stuff with, with handling it. Were there any accommodations given to you? I'm curious. Um, no, I think she really wanted to see how I, you know, respond, like even with some of the tests, um, there was one particular test where I had to like, um, click the space bar for a particular letter, but I kept just <laughs> pressing it and pressing the space bar because my eyes were like, no. <laughs> and, um, I guess like for my coping me- uh, mechanisms, I will revert to my happy place. And my happy place is like butterflies and meadows, things that I enjoyed as a kid. So I started singing Christmas songs, like humming Christmas songs to deal with it. Because that part was like 15 minutes. So I was like, um, let me get to my happy place so I can do this. <laughs> and she was like, and this is the end of the evaluation. You are autistic. <laughs> How did you end up uh, finding uh, somebody who was able to perform a diagnosis? Because one thing that we we hear commonly um, is that adult diagnosis, it can be very hard to find somebody who's qualified, especially in women, Um, you know? So how did you find somebody who was able to give you an an assessment? How how did you go about finding somebody? Because that's something that I think a lot of people struggle with and seems unaccessible inaccessible not accessible one of those yes um for me I did my research on google but um I'm all about even though I'm simple-minded I love professionalism because when I started I had people that were willing to kind of help me to understand the value of professionalism so when I did my research I would thoroughly look on their website Um, I also pre-screened, so I was able to actually interact with this psychologist um, firsthand before making a final decision as to whether I wanted to follow through with her. So by me having that, I guess, pre-screening, being able to like find out, will this be a good fit for me? That helped me a lot. That makes a lot of sense. What, if there was advice you could give to others who may not know where to start with all the research right was there something you found in particular that you could help people maybe not need to do as much research like you know okay this is maybe stay away from this type of person or or this is like uh these letters after their name you know they seem to be a bit more qualified or, or any like tips on anything people could look for um i did like psycho um psychologists today That was very helpful. And I also will say, see um, about your insurance. So see about psychologists that are covered by your insurance, because this particular psychologist, I was able to use my actual health insurance to go towards um, paying for my diagnosis screenings. 
So that was very helpful as well. That's really good. Yeah. You, you know, diagnosis as an adult is really expensive. So it's uh, really good to know that some uh, health insurance plans will actually help cover some of that cost. You said you appreciated your late diagnosis. Um, what what made you appreciative? Um, it made me appreciative because I was able to navigate and learn and grow as an individual. And I I feel like with with how I was raised, I was raised to be independent. I was raised to not allow any thing that may be different about me to to hinder me from going forward so it was like I was constantly told you're different you're different but use your difference as your leverage so it's like I came to terms with myself and having a security of myself that okay I finally want to know what this is so that I can help more people because my mindset is different and I feel as though back in the day if I had got it early on I would have made like what's been created my poetry platform about me instead of it being about helping others and impacting others. So I think everything happens for a reason. And that was the reason that I need to grow and develop as a person to have a positive impact for others. So that's, that's the perfect transition to our next question. Uh, I'm wondering if there were any obstacles uh, that you ran across when, you know, uh, launching your, poetry uh career and and platform and you know when you you perform were there any any obstacles and if so how did you over overcome those those obstacles so my biggest obstacles was the writing um one of the things the psychologist informed me was I thrive non-verbally so anything in dealing with performance so performance performing poetry dance, singing, um, those things that are kind of repetitious, I can thrive in. But the writing aspect was different because I didn't have like the intellect to come up with the poetry. And that's why I tell people I connected with my spiritual faith because it's like God gives me the words, I share the message. I could I couldn't naturally come up with these words, these amazing um, poetry on my own. So I say give credit where credit is due. That that goes back to my faith with the writing aspect. What is slam poetry? Slam poetry. Yes. Slam poetry is just a way to express yourself and allow others to feel what you're feeling. Um, I have had the opportunity to be able to coach um, youth with um, slam poetry style, which has been awesome. And what I like to tell the kids is, how does that poem make you feel? Well, however that poem makes you feel, I need to feel it. And that resonates with them. And so that's what I do in my own poetry is I will express whatever I am feeling. I want you to feel that. If I'm, ang if I'm angry, you're going to feel that anger. If I'm sad, you're going to feel that, that emotion. How did you learn about slam poetry? I actually got exposed to it from my mother um, in South Carolina, the state where I'm from. 
they had at the time a book festival and me and my mother attended. They had an open mic. I was 14 years old at the time and I brought um, poems that I had written and my mother encouraged me to go up there and read one of my poems. Well, I didn't go up there and read. I was the only one that didn't read off of a paper. I performed my first poem at 14 years old and my mother confirmed to me, you have a gift. And so that's where it, that spark came that maybe I should be doing this. <laughs> that's great. So you started at like 14? Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I stopped actually um, after, I guess, my um, sophomore year of college because I still was performing and I wanted to make a career out of it. But I know they meant well. My family were, were encouraging me that, you know, you might want to find a stable career. <laughs> writing is not that stable so I tried to go into teaching but it never happened I tried to pass this test to get certified in South Carolina and I failed 10 times for 10 years now mind you I have only been doing my poetry and having this poetry platform for three years now I started in 2020 and it has blown up so it's like, whatever you're really meant to do, it's just going to flow. It's going to just work out. <laughs> Oftentimes things that are not always meant for you don't work out. And it's not necessarily like, oh, maybe I should be still doing this. No, you might, that might not be what you are supposed to be doing. But yeah, See, I've always had the heart for poetry. So. So you make your living out of it now? That's. Yes. Oh. Way to go. That's really good. Yeah. You know, I heard the same thing because I've always told people since I was a little kid, I'm going to be writing books. That's what I want to do. And I'm like, okay, but what about, you know, being a doctor or finding another job? And, you know, I ended up doing it and I definitely don't make a living out of it, but I still did it. So it's fun. And uh, it's a good uh, re reminder for people listening to, you know, fo follow your dreams. I love to read my books. I started a children's book series called Lynn Learns Lessons, and it's actually based off of um, my journey into writing. But the concept is a young female that transitions to realizing that she is a um, princess, but she can't accept it at first. So for me, I couldn't expect accept that Poetry was what I was really supposed to be doing, not necessarily what other people thought I should be doing, which was the teaching. That's interesting. Um, and do you and do you think that if you had been diagnosed, you know, earlier on that you ever would have been exposed to, you know, poetry in the way that you were, um, you know, for example, you know, I feel like a lot of times, like, like, do you think that you would have not tried so many things or not as exposed to as many things? Or do you think, um, you know, your parents would have continued doing the same thing they would have anyway? Like in, in hindsight, are, are you grateful for the later diagnosis and not knowing um, in a way like it challenged you a bit more? I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just trying to no, you're you're not. Actually, definitely. It did challenge me more and it made me more resilient. And I think that's 
way more effective um, when you're out there in the media, which I am, to have those positive impacts. Because if I'm talking to someone and telling them, you can get through your struggle, you can get through your challenge and you can overcome. Well, how do you know that? What have you been through? And when they when they hear my story, they're like, oh, okay. I think I, I think I can get through this. So you mentioned that your autism is tied to your spirituality. Can you tell us a little bit about your spirituality and then also how it's tied with your autism? Yes, so I grew up um, going to church with my um, mother as as much. Um, My dad would go sometimes, but my mother, she took us. So, and it was like a small, intimate church. And I, it's very interesting there were songs that were like repetitive, like they did a lot of hymnals that were repetitive. And I still remember them to this day. And before I got my diagnosis, um, when I was with my mom, my sister, they're like, how do you remember these songs? Because my, because I was like a whiner when I was a kid. And so my mom would have to take me out and, you know, discipline me for, you know, causing riffraff in church. And so um, they were very intrigued that I could still remember these songs. So when I got the official diagnosis that I had autism, it's like, wow, now it all makes sense that this is how I learn. This is how I thrive. So um, with my spirituality, it, it it's that foundation that I, I started off with, you know, of how I learn. And it just flourished to the point where I go back to it. So as I said in the beginning, I have a simple, basic mindset. (laughs) It it doesn't take a lot to make me happy. And um, because of that, oftentimes as I got older, I just, I felt so out of place, especially when I was around um, women of color, if I could be honest, because there tends to be a stereotype of being strong and, and being intelligent and um, I wasn't that. <laughs> so it, it was like trying to mask who I really am. And so um, with my faith, I could always, you know, rely on my faith to get me through those challenges and give me the wisdom that I needed to get through whatever. Like I have two degrees, but I tell people it's like a certificate because I don't even remember <laughs> the things that I learned. <laughs> in college like I have a master's and a bachelor's and I don't even remember what I learned but I can honestly tell you songs and things that I learned as a child because of the repetition it's funny I think a lot of people can relate to you know having a degree and not remembering anything from it um I like how like self aware you are how you say these things about yourself and you can like laugh about it you know it seems like you definitely know your your strengths and I guess your your weaknesses and that's a it's very uh very nice to see um you mentioned that your poetry you use that to help uh, bring awareness with uh, some uh, non-profits all over the world can you tell us more about that how do you use that to help uh, non-profit organizations because I have built the platform where I'm, I've been in the media and built those relationships, I'm able to find 
which I usually do find nonprofits there trying to do positive things. Sometimes it's related to youth. I am very big on helping the youth, the young people, because I feel like when I'm gone and transitioned, they're coming up. So I always want to leave that opportunity, that door for them to thrive and to succeed further than me. So I just try to find organizations that may just need that extra exposure so that they can um, flourish. And and it has been doing well. People that connect to me, they've been doing very well. So it, it's, a, it's an honor to be able to do that because so many people helped me along the way. So now it's like paying forward by helping someone else. Can you give it. us uh, a few specific examples? Um, yeah. My... My favorite one was actually this year. I um, helped this startup um, nonprofit that was trying to put on a production for po um, spoken word. And it was to showcase um, young people throughout um, my state and highlight them in a positive way. So I was they needed funding. So I was like that go-to that reached out, used my name to help um, get them funding so that they could put it on. And they actually put it on at the Coger Center at um, one of their um, smaller venues in the Coger Center. So that was really nice. And it, it turned out really well. So that's one of the things. Uh, I guess another one would be um, at the Columbia Metropolitan Center, I did um, dream cards for kids of various ages. They would literally tell me their dream and I would create a short poem for them. So I didn't think it was gonna be as popular as it was, but it was about 65 kids that I did. And, and one group, um, it was an older girl. She might've been like 11 or 12. I did one for her and then the whole, her whole family. <laughs> Her siblings, I ended up doing cards for them. So it just things like that, that's tangible, that resonate with people. I love doing that because I think that matters. How you make people feel is what matters at the end of the day. That was great. Thank you. No, super, super appreciate that. So Tracy, can you tell people where they can uh, find you on on social media, where they can, you know, see your, you perform poetry, all of that? Yes, I will be honest, I am not on social media anymore. I haven't been on since 2021. Um, I am an open book. I was um, getting cyber bullied heavily. <laughs> so I ended up getting off. But um, my go to is my website, which is tracynealspeakerpoet.com. There is like a one stop shop. I have my books, I have um, performances, everything and what I've done to help others. It's all on there. So I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions now which means that I'm going to ask you some quick questions and you give me a quick answer, the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay. Who's your favorite poet? Phyllis Wheatley. Favorite rhyming word? Cat sat. <laughs> favorite food? Bread. 
Favorite music? Gospel. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Tracy. We loved hearing about your story and slam poetry. So thank you for, you know, raising awareness and uh, sharing about something that I think a lot of people don't know about. Yes, thank you. Really, really appreciate you coming out. Thank you so much for having me. 